The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Okay, this episode has a lot going on. And you know what else has a lot going on? Woo for Play. So we can finally talk about Woo again on the show. And we first introduced Woo to this audience on our episode with Emily Morse from the popular podcast Sex with Emily. That was episode 99. And if you guys haven't had a chance to listen, you should. It's spicy, sexy, and has a lot of juice. Anyway, we let you guys know about Woo for Play on that show, which is an all-natural coconut oil-based lubricant that Michael and his partners created. I definitely helped test it out a time or 10, too. Anyway, I went along for the ride, if you know what I mean. So to give you backstory here, we had to stop talking about Woo on this podcast because so many of you went and got the product and it actually almost put them out of business, which is so nuts. Yeah, we were selling so much lube that we literally almost went under. <laughs> so if you heard that show, you know, like I said, it's an all-natural lube that's made up of four main ingredients. It's organic coconut oil, beeswax, a little stevia, and a tiny bit of vanilla. It's kind of like all the things everyone loves. You should also know that it's edible. And basically, it just makes sex better. And I can really tell you, it makes sex better. All of our friends have tried it, and they tell us it's changed their sex life. It's definitely helped ours. Also, it's a good gift for boyfriends, bachelorette parties, wedding showers, Mother's Day gifts. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe a little too far. Anyway, if you listen to The Lady Gang, That's So Retrograde, The Balanced Blonde, or The Bitch Bible, you also probably have heard about Woo on their shows as well. You can check out our Insta for the vibe. It's at Woo for Play. Yeah, when we first introduced the audience to the product, we offered a promo code specifically for this audience. It was promo code SKINNY for 20% off the first purchase and free shipping. That code still works for anyone who hasn't tried the product before, so go ahead and use that one as well. But when we created the first batch, we created it in the summer, so it got a little hard due to the uh, natural coconut oil in the winter. So we went back to the drawing board, listened to some feedback, and reformulated the product with some liquid coconut oil as well to make it perfect. We want things to get hard, but not our lube. All right, guys. So like Michael said, we have a new promo code for all TSC listeners and for those who have already used the first one. And that code is him and her for 20% off your purchase plus free shipping. So go to wooforplay.com and enter promo code him and her at checkout. Again, that's wooforplay.com, promo code him and her for 20% off and free shipping. Enjoy. I know you'll love it. Okay, so I want to let you guys know that Michael and I will be at the Propel Co. Labs Fitness Festival, and we would love to meet you. Let's hang out. There's going to be complimentary hair braiding, guided meditations, massages, tons of Propel and more. Bring your friends. So just some backstory, the Propel Co. Labs Fitness Festival is a -a one-of-a-kind fitness experience that combines the hottest workouts in the country with live musical performances from stars like Ludacris, Julianne Huff, Harley Pasternak, Gunnar Peterson, and more. So come join me and Michael at the Propel Collabs Fitness Festival in LA May 5th and 6th at the Coyote Studios in West Hollywood. Head to www.propelcollabsla.com slash skinnyconfidential and use code theskinnyconfidential10 for $10 off a ticket to the festival. Come hang, we'll sit propel. And again, that is www.propelcollabsla.com slash skinnyconfidential and you get $10 off with code theskinnyconfidential10. 
She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Uh You guys are in an open relationship. Practice open relationship. Mm-hmm. How the fuck did this come about? What's the story <laughs> here? I need to like, I, we, I, let's dive into this. Whitney finally got a lover that she really liked and someone that she liked. And I found that out. Like, what's your reaction? Like your physical, emotional okay, reaction? So my physical reaction is I think that I'm going to vomit. I think I'm immediately going to vomit. There's a pain that feels like all the swords in the fucking armory are stabbing me right in between where my chest is and where my stomach is. And I don't know if I can walk. And I don't, and I just take a knee and I start kind of dry heaving. And I don't know if I'm going to pass out because I'm a little bit dizzy. And then eventually I get up and then I think of her having sex doggy style and it's all over again. <laughs> <laughs> and then if I were to think of him too, that's the position I would think of. Yeah. And then I think of some other things. Oh, did he spank? Oh my God. Then it's again, back on the ground, dry heaving, crawling, <laughs> crawling around, praying to the universe that maybe this pain will end. And that lasted. I was away from Whitney during that time. And, and that, that lasted for like three days. Welcome back to the Skinny Confidential, him and her show. If you are new to the show, thanks for joining. That clip was from our guest of the show today, Aubrey Marcus. Aubrey came on the show with his fiance, Whitney Miller, and it was like no other conversation we have ever had on this show. In this episode, we discuss psychedelics, open relationships, morning routines, and optimization. For those of you who are new to the show, hi. I'm Lauren Everts. I'm the creator of The Skinny Confidential. It's a blog, brand, book, and podcast. And I am Michael Bostic. I'm an entrepreneur and business operator, most recently the CEO of Dear Media, a new kind of podcast network. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hi, you're extra deep today. (laughs) I'm in deep. Okay, so before we get into this super juicy episode, I wanted to let you guys know that I picked a winner from last week's podcast. I did a giveaway for the Kristen Cavallari podcast. It was a bunch of beauty items, and the winner of that is Brooke Kavaloski. Am I saying that right, Michael? Kovaleski, I think. Kovaleski. Okay, her handle on Instagram is at B-R-O-O-K-E-K-O-V-A-L-E-S-K-I. That's long. I hope I said it right. Um, So we'll do another giveaway at the end of this episode. So make sure you listen to this one through, which you're going to want to because we talk about open relationships and it gets really, really intense. Yeah. So like Lauren said, we are going to dive right into this interview because it's a little longer than our typical interviews. We cover a ton of ground here. So this is a super interesting podcast episode. We have Aubrey Marcus on the show, and he is the CEO of Onnit, which he describes as a total human optimization experience. They primarily sell supplements, and Aubrey started the company, and he was super smart in the beginning because he grew a ton of his business using podcasts and also by partnering with Joe Rogan. Aubrey has a new book out that I just finished, and it's called Own the Day, Own Your Life. We get into that in the episode. He's a super interesting guy and he's the CEO of a successful company. He's an author and he also hosts the great podcast called Aubrey Marcus Podcast. Outside of being a successful entrepreneur, podcaster, and author, Aubrey is also a proponent of raising awareness for psychedelic medicines through programs like maps.org and the Hefter Institute. We fully dive into psychedelics on this show and the potential benefits of psychedelics when used as a medicine instead of recreationally. What was really a curveball for this interview is this. 
Aubrey and his fiance, Whitney Miller, are in a completely open relationship. Yes, you guys heard that right. Completely open relationship, meaning they're able to see and date other people with the full blessing from one another. So when Aubrey showed up with Whitney, we had to have her on the show to dive into it. We were actually planning on just having Aubrey. Whitney was there and we invited her on the show because we wanted that him and her aspect. We have never really had a conversation on this podcast around psychedelics and open relationships, so this is new. Having the conversation with actual practitioners and people we know to be successful in their own rights was really interesting, and I think you guys are going to find it super, super interesting yourself. So without further ado, here's Aubrey Marcus and Whitney Miller. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. All right, we're here with Aubrey Marcus and his fiance Whitney Miller. And we're going to have a really interesting conversation. We're going to jump into a lot of topics that we don't typically jump into. And I'm super pumped. You've been talking about it for a while. I need to get to the bottom of a lot of things here. There's a lot of questions. Well, I, we can't promise the bottom, but we'll yeah. start digging. And we'll yeah. See where we go. yeah, we can get you somewhere at least. Yeah. Anyways, I, this is going to be interesting. I'm going to, you know, so you have a new book coming out and we're going to obviously jump on that. It's called Own the Day, Own Your Life. What, what can people expect from the book? Well, people can expect a process, a process of information, 300 clinical academic references all put together to try and design one badass optimized day. And whoever you are, whether it's someone like me or someone like Whitney or someone who never hits the gym, there's going to be something in there for everyone to show you what a day could look like if you just went step by step from the morning when you're hydrating, getting light and moving to set your circadian rhythm and rehydrate to how to use all the natural doctors we have, like sunlight, breath, cold, heat, sex, sleep, movement, all of these things, how to, how to basically apply that to the human operating manual so we can get the absolute most out of our life. And not just the most performance, but the most enjoyment as well. Like really get to the bottom of our fears and get to the roots of the things that are preventing us from being who we're really capable of being and living that life that at the end of our days, we look back and say, fuck yeah. You know, I killed it. I did everything I could. And that's really the goal. Can you do those days when you're on vacation in LA right now? You know, there's always, there's always things you can do. You know, in the morning, you can always go and the first thing, hydrate with a little bit of salt water and some lemon. Like we went to Erewhon, picked up a few supplies. We had that ready to go. We went immediately out into the light, you know, out of my patio, moved around a little bit. So I got the first critical part of the morning routine done even here on vacation. And then the next part, yeah, I'm going to take a shower. And then it's turning that shower nozzle cold, which is going to reduce, reduce your chronic anxiety and chronic stress. And always, you know, also pattern that willpower, the ability to push yourself into something that's challenging that you know is good for you, but you know is going to be a little uncomfortable. So yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff you can do pretty much anywhere because it's relying on things that are very common, very easy to use. These aren't exotic biohacks. You know, these are pretty simple things. So I'm super excited to read it. You, and typically, and I and apologize for this, I like to read the books before we interview the authors, but we you know, just came out, so we haven't gone to it. But for sure, we have it. We both have Michael's it. Michael's a big reader. Yeah, going to, and I'm super pumped to do it. For those of you, uh, for those of that out there who are maybe unfamiliar with your work, how would you, how would you introduce yourself at this point? Because you're an interesting dude, man. You've done a lot of different <laughs> things. And CEO of Onnit, mm-hmm. author, podcaster, speaker, like wh- how would you- Fiance. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Most importantly. <laughs> Like yes. at, at this point, what's the like? What's the talking point introduction? I mean, I think you kind of hit it. I mean, you can describe the things, but you know, if I really describe myself, like what is the essential Aubrey? 
you know, I'm someone who's willing to look into the shadows to find truth and then bring that truth out. And whether that truth becomes a product or an idea or a book or something else, a podcast show or something else like that, I'm someone who will relentlessly go into the shadows of my own psyche and the shadows of the world and find something valuable to bring back. So in that regard, you know, that's another way to describe kind of who I am. So you're an entrepreneur, obviously, CEO of Onnit, which is an amazingly successful company. For those of you who haven't checked it out, check it out. And typically a businessman. How did you get into the podcast space? Want to start writing a book, get in the public eye? Like, what what made you want to do that? I always knew that I was going to do something like that. You know, I, I was always thinking about things in a different way. I always felt like I had a perspective and I had a take and I had an understanding that I needed to bring forth. And I was like super depressed and frustrated before the podcast and before books and before on it and before I had a social platform or anything because I felt like I wasn't able to give any of that. Now, obviously I'm way, you know, way smarter than I was then with my ideas, but even then I knew I had something to share. I knew I had some value to bring. And now it's just the fruition of that where I have so many different ways and channels that I can reach people. So, you know, I'm living my dream life. Whitney, do you do and practice his best day? Um, not always, no, because I'm a poon, particularly <laughs> when it comes to cold water. I, it's really hard for me to turn that nozzle just a little bit. I know he says it's just willpower and it takes that one second to turn the nozzle to cold. He's got to get in naked with you and just turn it himself. Make him do that. Oh, but he, he does. <laughs> okay. And that's a total backfire. I hate that because now I get like stressed out to take a shower because we have a big shower at home with two heads. And I'm like, stay on your side of the shower. Don't cross the midline. She has shower PTSD. Shower, every time I'm closing my eyes to wash my hair, I'm like, oh, hell. You know what? I did cryotherapy today. That's a good way to get it in. I do I like cryo. That. I'm obsessed with that. I feel like it fights inflammation a lot. For sure does. So I can do cryo. And I actually like cold plunges it's more difficult for me for some reason to do the shower but we did just get a big cooler delivered yeah, to our giant, garage the other day i like it i'm into that <laughs> yeah like how did degrees. you guys meet just to, so the audience can really kind of grasp your relationship so we met um almost over six years ago and i was miss texas at the time and i was looking for sponsors to go to miss united states and my trainer said hey there's this new company called on it opening up why don't you go meet with the ceo and at the time this is when on it was just beginning so it was probably 10 people maybe less less like crammed into this baby Five. loft and like they had no room to do anything. So I'm there with, you know, I have long blonde hair at the time, like pageant patty to the max. And I have my binders <laughs> and I go in and he's in pajamas, probably still hungover or drunk. Definitely drunk. From he the hasn't night had his, his cold shower yet. He hasn't had his cold shower yet. <laughs> this is the day after his 31st birthday. And he's like talking to me. Yeah, sure. Whatever you want. But we have to do a workout first. Oh, but now we need to go do lunch. Oh, but now we need to go do dinner to see how well you fit with the brand. And then like three months later, well, you know, we, we were, were living together. Company. We were very picky at that yeah, point. Yeah, you know, we, couldn't just, sure. we couldn't just work with anybody yeah, yeah, off yeah. the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? We had to choose our brand ambassadors wisely. Yeah. What has the evolution been like? You said you guys were in a loft. I mean, now it's it's huge. Yeah, we had a loft above a little boutique. Uh, it was probably 600 square feet. And now maybe five employees when Whitney met. And now we have over 180 employees, five yoga studios, a gym, a jiu-jitsu studio, a um, martial arts facility. And, you know, 
tens of thousands of square feet of space and warehouse space and we're shipping internationally all over the world and it's a it's a real movement at this point we wow. just had uh, Rich Roll on here, who I know you've recently spoke to, and, and yeah. I listened to the podcast that you guys did, and I thought both of you hit something that was super interesting, and it's a strategy you use with Onnit, which you built a lot of Onnit through podcasting, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see, I wanted to know like, if you could touch on that a little bit, because I don't think a lot of people realize how powerful the right podcasts can be, and what you can do with podcasts after, there's still, you know, companies are coming around trying it, they're doing the old, you know, radio reads, but when you get a host that can really speak to a brand authentically and weave it into their story like it is in my life with advertising one of the most impactful types of advertising that you can do well people's bullshit detectors are getting better and better and better and people are being able to sniff out an advertisement that somebody got paid for and just an authentic endorsement and really you know podcasts allow you to the opportunity to blend the two because the host really controls pretty much what they say so what we do with all the hosts is we just give them a bunch of our stuff and help them out with all the advice and techniques and how to use it and how we can just benefit their life. So our first step is like, how can we be of service to you? Because we know that if we can actually be of service to the host's life, it's not just going to be a better commercial read that's going to sound more authentic. They're going to talk about it on the show. They're going to talk about it with other people. They're going to recommend it to people who are coming to them as guests saying, oh man, I'm having this problem. And then they're going to know that they have this solution available and so it becomes more of a conversation and then when it's a conversation you know you really feel like a podcast host is your friend when you're listening to them and when your friend is recommending something it's a very powerful thing so you know we don't we try not to give people canned reads and tell them exactly what to say we just basically say talk about whatever you like talk about the the cool experiences you've had with on it products or on it philosophies and just go with that yeah, and you kind of hit the nail on the head where I don't think people have a problem with endorsements. They may have an issue with inauthentic advertisements, right? Mm-hmm. An endorsement, if you like a product, like if I'm an Onnit user, like there's, I don't think the listener or the reader or the viewer has any issue with you endorsing. It's when they, like you said, their bullshit meter and they look and say, okay, there's no way Aubrey uses this stuff or no way Lauren uses this stuff or Whitney uses this stuff. Like that's when they're like, that's when they get pissed. Yeah, like when you see Shaq and Ikea. Yeah, and you're just is like, really man, Shaq's not no. driving a Kia. Yeah, He's just don't not lie, driving well, a Kia. The Buick, <laughs> yeah, like, they just not in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's all about telling a story. I love how you don't give anyone a script. I think that's amazing. I feel like as an influencer, I'm not an actress. That's not what I signed up to be. I didn't sign up to read a script. So when someone gives me a script, I'm like, no, I want to tell how I've used it and implemented it in my own life. I think that's really smart. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do kind of a plot twist here. I want to talk about uh, psychedelic medicine. Yeah, great. <laughs> Fun. So yeah. <laughs> I have a little mushroom on my on my jacket right it's now. Super cute. <laughs> so for people who are unfamiliar with psychedelics, how would you what, what would you tell them to distinguish the difference between what we would classify as like drugs and medicinal? What would you call it, drugs? Or what would you mm-hmm. how would you describe this? Well, I think you know there's obviously technical descriptions about the interaction with the brain, but in general. You know, a psychedelic medicine will bring you to a higher state of consciousness, whereas a recreational drug will typically bring you to a lower state of consciousness because it's that middle layer of consciousness where a lot of the suffering lies. It's where the mind is, you know, cycling through all of these fears and all these struggles and all these challenges and all everything that's going on in waking life that makes waking life like regular life so difficult. So we seek an escape. We seek some way to change that pattern. And there's some very fun ways. You know, I talk about drinking a glass of wine in the book. That is a great way to kind of 
change your inner mental state and get a little bit more relaxed. But ultimately, that's not bringing you to a higher state of consciousness. That's off, you know, often lowering your state of consciousness because keep doing it and see what happens. Yeah. You know, see how really intelligent you get yeah. at this third bottle of wine. You know <laughs> what I mean? Whereas, you know, a psychedelic medicine, when used correctly, is going to elevate your level of consciousness, can allow you to have greater insight into your life, into your past life, into past trauma, into future goals, into the processes that are going on. So it's less of an escape, but more of a solution to try and figure out how you can make your waking state even better, even more productive, even more full of love, make your relationship stronger. I mean, it's a really a tool to help make you better. So can you tell us a story or a time that, you know, you had an experience with psychedelics or I know you've done, what do you call it? A spirit walk? Is that spirit quest? Spirit quest. Yeah. Sorry. I'm really like novice here, but can you explain what that process was and oh, what that a vision, was? it's a vision quest at spirit quest sanctuary. So it's all very confusing, but okay. yeah, uh, a vision quest is the traditional ceremony where you basically spend a lot of time in nature, typically with some kind of guide or some kind of shaman, um, who takes you out and you experience a psychedelic concoction of their choosing and their specialty. And you interact with the forces of yourself and the forces of nature. For me, I came in as a 18 year old staunch atheist trying to, you know, take down the falsehoods of capital R religion. I thought it was all a bunch of bullshit. And, but I went out to do this vision quest and went out in the mountains. And who introduced you to this? This was actually through my father. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I took this concoction, psychedelic brew, uh, consisting largely of mushrooms and felt my body evaporate and something else remain, which I would at this point just call consciousness and consciousness remain in a disembodied form. And I looked around in this disembodied form and I went, Oh shit, I got a lot of things wrong here. Like I have to rethink a lot about my spiritual understanding. And that kind of set me on a path of realization towards many, many different things in my life. And I've just constantly sought direct spiritual knowledge, like direct physical understanding of who I am, of the universe, of whatever you might want to call God, which is a really challenging word to use because people have used it in so many different ways, or love, which is also another really challenging word because people have used that in so many ways, in so many incorrect ways. And just really try to get to the bottom of what, you know, what truth is for me and what truth is universally. So would you recommend this to everyone? Or would you recommend it to a certain person, someone that's gone through trauma? You know, you can't recommend this to everybody. Mm -hmm. This is a path that someone has to choose and a path that someone has to really be ready for. And you also have to have a great environment to do it in. You know, that's the challenging part. I mean, unfortunately, we live in a a day and time where psychedelic medicines are still illegal. Now, MAPS, Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies, a nonprofit organization, they are pushing to have MDMA-assisted psychotherapy legal by 2021. The Hefter Institute has phase two trials completed for depression and anxiety. Looks like they're going to, you know, hopefully have psilocybin legal by 2022, 2023. You know, we don't have to wait too long. And then you can obviously go to South America to drink ayahuasca. There's options available. But it's hard to just carte blanche recommend anything right now because there's very few good providers and there's very few good opportunities. So I try to steer away from any kind of hard recommendations and just say, look, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for these medicines. And, you know, I think Whitney can probably 
say the same thing. We wouldn't be who we are. We wouldn't be able to be of service to ourselves, to our relationship, or the world in any way, shape, or form if it wasn't for these experiences. But nonetheless, as much as I wish I could say, hey, everybody go here, I can't. Touching on psilocybin and MDMA, what are the, in your opinion, the direct benefits for each of those, as you'd call them, medicines? Whitney, why don't you take this one? (laughs) I would say for MDMA specifically, it's obviously very heart opening. So if there's any past childhood trauma or trauma from past relationships, or if you want to get clarity, you can do it as a couple as well, which we've done before. It's basically like years of therapy in a couple of hours. And it takes the, the lenses of fear and jealousy and hurt off. So you're fully speaking to one another from like a higher perspective. And then mushrooms is more of like a for me it's more like grounding you know and you don't have as much of the the heart opening but you have the vision so you can it can bring up memories from your past and and you can actually see it happening in your mind yeah and in the clinical research so mdma has shown remarkable ability to reduce post-traumatic stress even in treatment resistant cases two out of three people have been cured with MDMA-assisted psychotherapy that were had that had basically no hope with the traditional medical model, from first responders to veterans to childhood abuse victims. So trauma for MDMA is is probably the number one indication. Although, like Whitney says, you know, if you're going through something as a couple, or if you just want to, you know, kind of release a lot of the you know minor traumas that you might have, it's still incredibly valuable. Psilocybin in the medical model has been shown to alleviate depression, anxiety, and some really interesting indications on um, reducing addictive behaviors as well. well I'm, I'm super interested in ayahuasca. There's something that's pulling me towards it. So I would like to know more about that. And I would like to know about the whole entire process and how you can find someone that actually knows what they're doing. They call it a shaman, right? They do. Okay. And that's the thing. You have to be careful about where you go. Right. You know, even for me, I mean, I've had it, I've done it 11 times and obstinate 17 times now, I think. And I, there's only one person that I would go to and I've been to multiple and it's just very difficult to find that person. So it's very important to find somebody in the right set and setting. Otherwise the, the entire experience can be completely different and it can leave you worse off than before. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's super important to find, you're basically doing psychic surgery and ayahuasca is a very intense form of psychic surgery. You're, it's working on both levels. For one, DMT is one of the is probably the most powerful psychedelic compound on the planet. They call it the spirit molecule for a reason, right? So it's going to give you access to what appears to be the realm beyond living consciousness, right? So the visions are incredible, the insight is incredible. You'll talk to guides or talk to even talk to God or talk to, you know, your ancestors and crazy things like that'll happen while at the same time the vine itself is very purgative, so it's going to work through your body, and you actually feel it working through your organs, and you're going to purge either through vomit or through shit in your pants. <laughs> and so it's going to get a lot of stuff out of your body physically so that your physical body will mirror the mental you know, purge that you're actually going through and the clarity that you're going to get. But it's a very intense process, and if the provider isn't skilled enough to basically hold that amount of energy... They can lose control of the ceremony or they can lose control of the, the dosing and the brew and things can get a little squirrely. 
Or if they have any ill intentions or selfish intentions, that will actually go through because you're, it's like using unclean instruments to do the surgery. So it'll leave you with an infection or a residue. I mean, if you want to take that metaphor all the way through. So that's the challenging part about ayahuasca. It's, it's absolutely incredible. It's harrowing. It's terrifying. It's life-changing when it goes well. But at the same time, you know, you have to, you have to choose the provider carefully. So do you just go and drink a, like, can you guys explain exactly what you do for someone that has no idea? Yeah. So ayahuasca is a combination of a couple different plants. One is a vine that grows natively in a lot of tropical areas. They actually can grow it in Hawaii now as well, but it comes typically from like Peru, Ecuador, Brazil, in those areas. And this vine contains a very potent MAOI, which is a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, which is something that prevents the breakdown of certain compounds. And one of the compounds it prevents the breakdown of is DMT. So they pound that vine out and they brew it in this giant cauldron with a bunch of leaves that are very high in DMT. Because DMT is in almost every single living thing. I think actually every single living thing. But it's in higher concentration in certain plants. And some of these plants like Chacruna, Opoyaje, Wambisa, they have a very high concentration relatively of DMT. So you mix the, mix the plants with the vine and then you get an orally active version of dmt that lasts like six to eight hours so you're served in this cup and it smells like spicy earthy dirt it tastes so horrible like even the the talking about it makes me nauseous yeah so you you drink this (laughs) cup of spicy earthy dirt and then you know you go around in the circle and typically the shaman will then at that point blow out the candle and you'll be waiting in darkness. And if you're in Peru, you know, you'll have the jungle sounds around you and it's this really supernatural vibe already. And then slowly the Icaros come in, which are the songs of the plants that the shaman will sing with the chacapas, which is their bundle of leaves they use as an instrument and you use it to kind of move energy through the ceremony and guide you with their song. And they'll start using the chacapa. And then you're basically on this five-hour ride facing your deepest fears, confronting your own death and mortality and whatever you're most terrified of, surrendering, 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 until and purging until you come out the other side, hopefully a lot lighter. Well, I will say this. We have a, a really good friend of ours who has his whole life struggled with weight loss, got up to about 300 pounds. Um, you know, was doing a lot of surgeries and you just met him in the yeah. hallway. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. And you would, you would never know now. And he did ayahuasca and he said he had a complete breakthrough because he figured out his relationship to food mm-hmm. and he figured out why he couldn't like, you know, why he had to eat certain things and why, you know, his emotional connection to food. And by doing like, by, by doing the ayahuasca trip, he completely changed. Like he's now down what 120 pounds and he's just, you know, completely happy and good shape and it's crazy like he's he had tried everything every diet everything how has it affected you guys' relationship to do that together is it something you recommend that couples do together like should i go with michael or should i leave his ass and go to peru by myself (laughs) um both actually the first time i did it was without ob so i i went down for my first time and did seven ceremonies in nine days which i would not recommend to anybody ever again <laughs> a lot yeah it was ridiculous usually they do um series from of like three to four with a day in between of each and that's the entire retreat um but yeah the first time i went was without him and for me that was really beneficial because it was 
I wasn't down there for him. I didn't want to worry about his trip and if he was throwing up or he was having a hard time and I didn't want to have to think, have any sort of energy focused on him. I wanted it all on me and this was my journey. Um, But then also we've gone down together to do it too and that can be just as amazing. But even then, I prefer to not sit next to him in ceremony. It's because this you really truly want all of the energy and focus on yourself because it is a it's a difficult thing to hear, you know, my love going through a hard time, even though you know it's beneficial in the end. So it's just kind of making sure you have your own journey and your own process. And also if someone's your comfort and you're going through a hard time, you know, it's you, you kind of need to go through the hard time. You know, like you, you, you don't want to shelter yourself. You don't want your security blanket necessarily with you. You want to brace head first into the cold, just like the buffaloes when the storm's coming. They tilt their horns straight to the eye of it and march straight through it because you know you're going to get through it faster. You know, and, and that's kind of the idea with some of these heavier medicines is you really want to go there for you and, and, and face whatever demons you need to face and make it through the other side. Whereas other medicines like MDMA or maybe a uh, Wachuma, which is the San Pedro cactus, man, that's amazing to do with somebody you love because then it's going to be you interacting with them with laughter as full as it's ever been in your heart and love as bright as it's ever shined through your eyes. And you're going to be able to see each other in a different way. And I, honestly, I don't know if me and Whitney would be sitting here right now if it wasn't for a Wachuma journey that we had down in South America where we both saw each other in the medicine standing at the beach and saw each other as our true self beyond all the own fears and delusions that being in this open relationship up to that point had created and and kind of created a divide for us and then we saw each other in truth and we were like oh man we still really really love each other and um so you know we might not even be sitting here if it wasn't for the medicine well one thing's for sure and uh, you know i'm probably getting trouble for saying this but you know the current drugs and the pharmaceuticals, they're not, I don't think they're working. I think, you know, we've had more problems than ever. And it's, it's, it's not doing anything in my opinion to get rid of or solve a lot of these issues with depression, anxiety, trauma. It's just, in my opinion, make a lot of time it makes it worse. Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing about this, you know, I have a page up, it's called the cure is near. And if you go to the cure is near.com, it's just a charity campaign fundraiser. Uh, but it has a lot of the information out there. And the thing is, the, the pharmaceutical model right now is for managing and treating symptoms. And it will keep you lifelong managing and treating those, those symptoms. symptoms. Yeah. yeah. Whereas these these models, like you said, for your friend who understand his relationship to food, the psychedelics work because they're not managing the symptoms. They're actually getting to the root cause. Breakthrough. Why are you, why are you traumatized? Why are you afraid? Why are you addicted? Why are you depressed? Why are you anxious? Okay, let's apply the right amount of understanding and truth and love and whatever else you need to do to fix that thing. So you're actually are creating a cure rather than just symptom management, symptom avoidance. So it's a whole different, it's a whole different paradigm. So what about afterwards? So you leave, you leave Peru. What happens? Is there like this epiphany? I mean, you're having epiphanies the entire time, but just as being in the jungle and drinking the medicine is very transformational you have to take time afterwards like i always take three or four days if you can to not just jump back into work and home and relationship because you have to integrate all of this new information and all of these new learnings because if you don't do that then it's like you can come back and everything's just a little bit 
haywire. Like you're just on a different level than anybody else that's around you. And it's just a little bit chaotic. So taking some time to fully digest everything and integrate it is just as important. It's like going to a gym and getting a super hard workout or going to an actual surgery. Like if you just get your boobs done and you hit the bench press and do a, you know, Barry's boot camp, like don't do that. You're going to probably have fucked up boobs. You know what I mean? Like if you're getting your psyche worked on and you're going immediately back into emotional challenge, emotionally challenging things, there's going to be problems that you have. You need to ease back in. You need to treat your recovery, you know, properly. So you touched on this a little, and I think this is going to be really interesting for this audience. You guys are in an open relationship, practice open relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. How the fuck did this come about? What's the story here? I need to like, let's dive into this. Well, yeah. I mean, so the story basically is, you know, I, as I said, I've been doing these plants and doing my own spiritual exploration since I was 18. So that's almost 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And through that process, I've started to understand what, you know, love is, truly what love is and capital L love is. And that love to me is unpossessive. It's a love that, doesn't own the other person it's a love that genuinely no matter what whether you get the credit or not wants the person you love to have the greatest happiness possible like that is clean pure love and that's the type of love that i want to have for anybody that i'm with now for most of my life i was also under the paradigm however that if i was doing my job and if i was enough of a man that my woman would never want to be with another man. You know, it was this whole kind of caveman paradigm of like, there's one lion who's ahead of the, there's one lion who's ahead of the pride and that lion fights all other rivals to the death. And as long as that lion wins, then all the rest of the lionesses are just cool having sex with that lion the rest of their life, you know, because they're just only attracted to the alpha. And that was, that was my mind state. And that's reinforced over and over again in male popular culture. And then I read a book by, so, you know, I had a relationship before Whitney and, you know, I would get, we would have, we would, I would get to play, but you know, my girl at that point, her name's Caitlin, she couldn't do anything. And that was because, because that was, that was was like your, that was your rule or that was, that was my rule. Yeah, it was was my understanding. And then, and then I read this book called Sex at Dawn by Dr. Chris Ryan who's now become a good friend. Well, we y'all split and then we got together and then we both read Sex at Dawn. We both read Sex at Dawn. Because we were together for two years completely monogamous. Yeah. And then read Sex at Dawn. Then we read Sex and I still had that paradigm when I was, you know, with Whitney. But also knew, you know, I knew that I wanted to experience different things. Whitney had always wanted to experience different things no matter who, what lover she was with. But I couldn't, you know, without the understanding that maybe humans were different than lions or humans were different than gorillas, you know, nothing made sense. Then I read Sex at Dawn and Whitney read Sex at Dawn pretty much simultaneously. And that showed how actually in tribal human sexuality, it was a lot different that humans, you know, human females are actually built also like human males to have multiple sexual partners. And that's just how we are naturally designed yeah evolutionary history exactly and understanding that i was like oh shit it was like that moment i first did psychedelics when i didn't believe in god and then i did psychedelics and didn't believe in spirit and i did psychedelics my body evaporated i was like oh shit i got a lot of things wrong i read that book and it made perfect sense from you know female copulatory vocalization why they're so loud well that's to attract other people and let them know that they're ready for sex because generally one man isn't going to even be satisfactory and (laughs) all of these different other factors and natures and i was like damn it (laughs) like i've really got this whole thing wrong 
and that and that really opened up the possibility like all right from my understanding of love and from my understanding of human sexuality what makes the most sense philosophically is an open relationship and that's when i kind of presented that to whitney and uh she wasn't exactly that stoked Hell no. How did he <laughs> what present are you that talking like, about? Like, how does he present that? Are you guys drinking? Well, I need to know the story yeah, right? of this We're presentation. just hammered. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I think we should have sex with other people. Um, no, it, actually, it started off because we read that book, and then we started talking about it. Like, just talking about what if. And it wasn't even because we weren't acting on it. We weren't doing anything about it. It was just like, okay, hypothetically, if this was a situation, how would you feel about this? And even then, we weren't doing anything. And then he decided that it was something that he really wanted to try and I didn't think I wanted to. So we split up, moved out of the house, the whole thing. I went down to Peru and then went on like a full three month backpacking trip. And like during that time I was, I obviously this was on my mind and it just became more normal for me to think about it. So then when I got back, he was seeing somebody, um, when I returned and then we talked about getting back together, but it was, we were getting back together under an open relationship. And so I was like, all right, let's game on. Because for me it was, I didn't have an answer if I could do it or not do it, if I wanted to do it or not do it. So I wanted to know. So let's walk through the beginning emotions, right? Because you guys both went through this initially together, like jealousy, what happens when other people start coming into the mix? Like, how do you, how do you navigate that? I imagine in the beginning that has to be a challenge. (laughs) Oh, it's hell. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, you don't even know. Yeah, I you know, don't like know. There's, there's, there's ayahuasca hell, right? There's five hours in the darkness confronting yeah. your fears, spiders exploding out of your eyes, sliding down a vine of thorns. But you know what? It's all vision and then there's in another, the end. An idea of it's, another it's dude. All, it's all a vision in the end. But but this this is this is actual, genuine, like the deepest pain that I think I've ever felt has been brought through this, and probably the biggest challenge, the most learning the best psychedelic I've ever done has been this open relationship. There's been nothing that's been a greater teacher because it's hard. Yeah, but who's sticking their toe in first? Like you guys are like, okay, we're in an open relationship. Like who's, you're looking like at each other. Who's going to go first? So Whitney had to, Whitney had to bear the brunt of it first. Why am I not surprised? Because when she, when (laughs) she came back in, I had already had another lover. And so the, the table stakes at the time was like, I love you. I want to be with you, but I have this other lover and I'm going to still keep seeing her. So here's, if you want in, this is, you know, this is the conditions of the game. And Whitney, to her credit, you know, took that head on and it wasn't easy and it was, it was hard and we had to have help. We had people we would talk to. We had a, you know, a a psychiatrist who's familiar with open relationship. We relied on him heavily. And, you know, it was funny. I was, I was kind of like, I was kind of a dick too then as well. While I was sensitive in some regards, I was kind of like, what do you mean? When she would get all flustered, I'd be like, what do, you, what do you mean? I wanted to like burn the house down. Yeah. Well, so would you get a <laughs> yeah? Flustered seems like a, a understatement. Yeah. Flustered, that's so cute. <laughs> I can't imagine this. I can't imagine me and describing. Yeah, Lauren's a little bit flustered right now. Like literally, I'd be sleeping with like a gun under the pillow. Like I'm gonna watch out here. Yeah. So when Whitney was triggered, you know, yeah, you know, I would, I, I would eventually, I would sometimes be insensitive and be like, "What do you mean? Like we agreed to this. This is our agreement. I'm not following anything outside of the agreement." Blah blah blah. But I didn't realize until Whitney finally got a lover that she really liked and someone that she liked. And I found that out. And when I had to take it on myself. This was like eight months to a year later. Like, yeah. What's your reaction? Like your physical, emotional okay, reaction? So my physical reaction is I think that I'm going to vomit. 
<laughs> I think I'm immediately going to vomit. There's a pain that feels like all the swords in the fucking armory are stabbing me right in between where my chest is and where my stomach is. And I don't know if I can walk. And I don't, and I just take a knee and I start kind of dry heaving. And I don't know if I'm going to pass out because I'm a little bit dizzy. And then eventually I get up and then I think of her having sex doggy style and it's all over again. <laughs> If I, I were to think of him too, that's the position I would think of. Myself. Yeah, and then I think of, and then I think of some other thing. Oh, did he spank? Oh my god! Then it's again back on the ground, dry heaving, crawling, crawling around, praying to the universe that maybe this pain will end. And that lasted. I was away from Whitney during that time, and and that that lasted for like three days. Wait, did you fuck with him? Because I would fuck with Michael. I would be like, eh, it's fine. Pass the ketchup. <laughs> like, did you like screw no. with him, or were you like a little nicer? I think I was definitely a little nicer. Just because did I you went, tell him or did he find out through someone else? No, 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 no. I told him. And that's what, you know, that's something that we, that we do. We talk about it. We, so this like is out in the open. This is not like, you know, a lot of people have the don't ask, don't tell policy, right? Like yeah. that's common. But this is like a full, like you guys talk about it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Yeah. If there's somebody that we're interested in, I would go, like if I was interested in somebody, I would go to Aubrey and be like, hey, there's this guy I might be interested in seeing. I don't really know, but I would like, you know, some time to at least explore and, and see what that is. And how much say do each of you have? Like if you find somebody, can she say yes or no? Or is it? Well, we used to have more of that. And it only leads to further resentment. Because really what we understand here is resentment is the monster that eats love. And if what we really are responsible for is helping each other achieve the greatest happiness possible. You know, like that's that's our commitment to each other. Like, what is going to have you live the most fulfilled life? So we've both in certain points, you know, put the veto on a certain person unnecessarily, you know, and that veto has led to resentments. It's led to unnecessary conditions that eventually we've been like, you know what? That was stupid. That was my own ego worried about something that happened. Um, you know, but you know, if there is something that maybe we see that the other person doesn't see, we can mention that and talk about it, but you really got to trust the other person to you know make the make the wisest decision otherwise the more rules you have typically the more the resentment builds and the more shit you're going to have to work through can it be in your inner circle or do you guys prefer outside oh yeah oh, i'm friends with all of his lovers like the first girl when i came in and they were dating each other she's my best friend now they're not they don't wow. see each other any longer like when we get married she's a bridesmaid no doubt. That is cool. You yeah. know why you put your ego aside? Yeah. Ryan Holiday ego is the end. Let me ask you this. Are these, obviously you guys love each other, so you're getting married, but are these emotional connections as well as are these just sexual encounters? Yeah. Originally we had this idea and look, it's just going to be sex, blah, blah, blah. Human beings are emotional creatures. Yeah. You know, it's impossible to not get emotional with another emotional being. Like it's just unrealistic. And I think it's another one of those things like you want to protect all the specialness you can and say, okay, it's just sex. We got this thing. But really, you know, it doesn't really work. Emotions are going to come. And if you don't make allowance for them, then there's the guilt and the shame and the dishonesty. Because what you want in this situation is you want blistering honesty. You want that absolutely phone is face up on the table, blistering honesty. And that's, and that's what the goal is here. Like true allies in life. And, and anything short of that it's just kind of leaving a little bit on the table and it's not easy work. Wait, so means. what about the other people though? What if the other people get a little bit like cuckoo? Does that ever happen? That's or no? happened. Yeah. yeah, that's happened. So what do you do? How do you handle that? 
Well, you, you handle it. <laughs> you handle it the best you can. I mean, ideally, you've been 100% honest with them the whole way through, right? So when honesty is at 100, you know, really, it's not there's there's not these big, huge moments where it's like, I can't believe this, blah, blah, blah. You did, you know, in these big dramatic things, there's just kind of constant steady pressure of dealing with your own shit. But, you know, when you've been honest the whole time, what is going to come up that's going to be, yeah, there, some people might have some emotions that get triggered and then you just kind of deal with those. But it's not like, oh my God, you didn't tell me about this. You're seeing this person, blah, blah, blah. These huge kind of blowout scenarios. You really try to mitigate those as much as possible by just maintaining constant, steady honesty with no surprises. So let me give you a hypothetical, both of you a hypothetical. Say you're home and you're relaxing and you really want to spend time with Aubrey and he comes home, he's like, listen, man, I'm like, I'm just really tired from my beautiful day with my lover. Like, I don't have, I don't have the energy to give you right now. Like, does that happen? And, and how do you navigate that? Or is that a non-issue? Like, what if you, you want attention? He just like, you know, like I've given all the attention to someone else today or <coughs> vice versa. Does that happen or? Yeah. I mean, that could happen. <clears throat> Usually in the, in the best scenario, you know, you come back to your lover very energized. Mm-hmm. You know, like you come back and you love that person more and you come back and you're more, you're so grateful, basically. Like, for example, you know, I recently took a trip with a lover to Miami and waiting for me in the hotel room was a bottle of champagne and some strawberries and a note from Whitney saying, I hope you guys have an amazing time. Right. And then so when I got there, that whole that whole night, I was filled not only with my love and excitement to be with my other lover, but love gratitude enjoyment from being with whitney you know like from from having that (coughs) blessing from her and for having her do a sweet thing that was obviously still still a little bit challenging even though we've gone past that and so i was so grateful that when i returned you know i was able to just flood her with that same kind of gratitude and love and 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 i i was even more filled up now there's other there's other situations that can happen where maybe you are a bit distracted maybe you know this person that you're seeing has kind of consumed some of your energy and consumed some of your thought patterns and that can be extremely extremely challenging and that's where you really have to (coughs) trust yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe this conversation's giving me (laughs) (coughs) okay go on (laughs) and and that's and that's harder and then you know then you really have to trust the the long game and you have to trust that things will iron out over time and not too much put too much pressure on the immediate moment um but that's not easy so when you both look at people now in committed monogamous relationships what what do you think about them like what like there's got to be some type of thought process never like is it like hey that's not gonna work or is it like hey like depends on the moment sometimes i'll look at them and be like man that looks great yeah. yeah right like that's for sure easier isn't it why don't we do that and like, then it's like 30 minutes goes by and you're like oh yeah never mind that's why but you know people are people get so caught up in their own little dramas and their own little frustrations and resentments and when you're dealing with the type of shit that whitney and i have to deal with on a regular basis the deepest core fears are you sexually adequate enough are you enough of a man are you enough of a woman are you like with you seeing somebody who's better than you at any different single category so you have nothing to rely on for your ego as to why that person wants to be with you other than the fact that you're you like when you get down to that level a lot of this trivial stuff that you see the the average couple fighting about you're like 
You're fighting about what? Like that? Oh, okay. Well, have fun with that. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's just you push yourself into the deepest, darkest recesses, you know, similar to plant medicine of your greatest fears. And then the normal waking average stuff gets a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. We just, there's not like the trivial kind of BS that, I mean, I, I remember we were t- talking about a couple recently that were having a hard time and constantly fighting and constantly fighting. And I was thinking like, but about what? <laughs> like over who? Like they're not in an open relationship. So it's like some of this stuff that people fight about is just funny to me now. When did you decide you guys were going to talk about it on the podcast? Like well, we've was, talked about it for a while. From the beginning? No. At first, that was one of the things. You know, we're going to keep this secret. I don't want everybody to know about this. The whole thing. And then he went out with somebody to dinner. And an acquaintance of ours saw him at dinner with another girl. And was basically like, hey, Sound bro. Yeah. Hey, bro, don't worry. I got you. And so, like, after that, Aubrey was thinking, I don't want to be, I don't want people to think I'm lying or I'm being shady or I'm doing something behind your back. Like, let's come out in the open about this. One, it'll help, you know, show people that there's a different way of having a relationship and you don't have to have this one box relationship that you're born into the world to have. But two, we're not doing anything shady behind, we're not, I'm not lying to you and he's not lying to me. Like, this is just how we work. We know exactly, I know exactly where he is and he knows exactly where I am. It probably has made your relationship way better. Yeah, 100%. It's also just like he's saying it. The coolest part about being in an open relationship for me personally is that it's taught me more about myself than anything I've ever experienced. So I know exactly what makes me tick and what I like and don't like. And all of the insecurities have been brought to the surface and I've been able to shed light on those. So I understand myself better and he understands himself better through it. So we're able to have a more stable relationship. Yeah, it's like Terry Crews said on um, on Tim Ferriss. Did you guys hear that? He said that he w- wants to be with his partner instead of has to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you choose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always a choice, and that's mm-hmm. the beautiful part. And I, and I think, you know, we've been together six years. I think some of the greatest nights of our life where we've been the most passionately in love, where it's like literally we're sitting in heaven together. We're just looking at each other, touching each other, holding each other's hands. A kiss is so incredible to bear. It would be something that you could maybe experience, you know, at that first rush when you find a new love. You know, we're still able to experience that now. Like, not all the time, not every single day, but we're still able to more and more experience that now. And I don't think that would be possible if it wasn't for this type of relationship that's unpacking all of the resentments and unpacking all of the ownership. And, you know, we're two free people that are choosing to see each other and choosing to love each other. And it's, it's magical, you know, it's magical, but you go through hell. <laughs> yeah, you go through sure. hell. You got to get uncomfortable to get comfortable. Yeah. So and super and uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> What's next for you guys? I see, you, you know, the book, you're on tour. Mm-hmm. I see you guys have also started doing some videos together, right? I watched some morning routine. Can you, maybe you guys can walk us through your typical morning routine now, because I saw you posted a video with water, lemon water, and it was like some kind of concoction and yeah, there's three things you need to do when you wake up. I kind of mentioned those before, but I call it the morning mineral cocktail. That's going to be a pinch of uh, Himalayan salt, some lemon, and about 12 to 16 ounces of water to replenish the water that you lost overnight just from the water vapors that you've been breathing out. Um, so first thing is hydration. Don't reach that coffee first. That's going to be even more dehydrating. 
Next thing is you want to set your circadian rhythm, which sets your kind of waking hormone balance throughout the day and also helps you go to sleep at night. So light is one of the main drivers for that and also movement. So get a little sunlight and get a little movement in, even if it's something light, like I'll oftentimes swim laps or just kind of basically move around. Um, and then start utilizing breath in the cold is step two. That's the video we just released uh, today. But we're going to have this whole video series for people who don't want to go check the whole book out immediately right away want to kind of dive in. Um, we're calling it Own the Day Life, and that's going to be on my YouTube. So you can check that out. You can check out all the videos we have. But ultimately, the book is that kind of full process that takes you through the whole day, through having sex and having that glass of wine to in the gym to all the food and all the all the different tips that you should have from morning till night. Yeah, and what I like about it too is that it it you're able to mess up, right? Cuz if you take on this whole diet plan or it's a 30 day this or it's I'm working out at the gym every single day or whatever it is, it, it allows for mistakes. It allows for you to go out and <clears throat> drink a whole bottle of tequila on accident or <laughs> whoops you know like it's it happening you... more and more <laughs> <laughs> but it gives you ways on like how to get back on track and how to replenish your body when that happens and yeah i mean that's that, i think it's just very relatable in that sense what are you guys' non-negotiables that you have to do every single day like obviously you have to start your day off with, with what you just said but is there something else that you do that's like self-care something that you'll put everything else on hold for to do yeah, I mean, I think to me, um, to me, the cold is is now non-negotiable. Like at some point, I have to expose myself to the cold. See, Michael? You know, that said, <laughs> you know, because I'm always in the shower every day and there's not a single day that I won't at least turn that shower nozzle cold because I know I know what that does for my body. I know what that's what kind of state shift that makes. Um, and I, then I think connecting with Whitney is also a non-negotiable. You know, we have a couple things that we do. She makes me a little voice recording and I, we take some time to actually see each other. And I think that's really important, especially being in an open relationship. Like you can't just take it for granted. You can't just kind of leave it be and you got to put some attention into it. You got to, you got to make sure that that's important. Those are, those are really the non-negotiables. I mean, I try to steer clear of carbohydrates during the day and eat those more at night. There's general rules that I'll try and do, but those rules get broken more often. Um, but a couple things are just pretty reliable. And what about work? Is work the same? Is it seven days a week for you guys? Do you shut it off? I mean, obviously when you go to Peru, you I would assume that you put your phone away. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have set hours? Yeah, I mean, when we're connecting, you know, we really try to put our phones away. Because we're so connected and we both have big social media platforms. We both have a lot of people hitting us up and it's absolutely vital that you shut that off at some point, not only for your own, you know, state of anxiety and your own mental wellness, but for also so that you can be present for the people around you. You know, if we could go through a whole dinner and evening, you know, with our phone by our side, kind of half scrolling, half connecting. And it's like I wasn't even there with her. Might not even, might not, it doesn't even really count. You know, it's just like we were in the same vicinity, but 40s, 50, 60% of our mental capacity was driven towards something else. So at certain points, you want to put that completely away and give your undivided attention to the present moment and the people and place that you're that you're around. And it doesn't have to be like an entire evening. If there is a lot going on, I mean, he's running on it. So he is 
emails coming in constantly and whatever it could be. So it's if he comes home at seven o'clock, then maybe we have our time until nine, nine thirty, and then he'll start, you know, working back again. So I think it's something that can be negotiable, negotiable to whatever fits in your schedule. Yeah, some kind of breath too. You know, I think the there's a Japanese study that shows that six deep breaths is enough to create a state change to lower your blood pressure to help relax you to help change your state of mind i heard you say this on another podcast i forgot I that it was you that said yeah, this but right when you said, said it, it and i've been wait what doing podcast it. did you say that on I've joe rogan i think said you that did. on a couple different okay. podcasts right. yeah but i've been, I, I've been doing, doing my six it breaths. It yeah i need to sure. add some himalayan salt to my uh, water yeah. but one thing at a fucking time <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So what, last question, what is a book or resource or podcast that each of you would recommend? Could be about anything. Well, you know, obviously, um, I love the guests that I have on my podcast, the Aubrey Marcus podcast, for sure. He has great guests, guys. Yeah. And then, you know, I think there's there's so many different good ones out there. You know, I think if you really want to deep dive into health, um, you know, there's the On It podcast, there's the Ben Greenfield podcast. Those are incredible. I think Tim Ferriss is one of the best interviewers out there in the world. It's a standard. uh, If you want to laugh your ass off, Fighter and the Kid. I think uh, Joe Rogan obviously is the behemoth and the mothership of all these podcasts and has some world-changing conversations on that show. Um, So for me, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot for me. I mean, I love Fighter and the Kid and Tim Ferriss and all of that. I also started listening to this podcast called On Drugs, and it basically, I think, BBC does it and it or NPR and it basically takes all of the recreational drugs and it's like music on drugs and society on drugs and dancing on drugs and how it kind of like infiltrates that arena and it's super interesting and funny and I just I love it okay pimp yourself out tell us where to follow you guys um, you can follow me at Miss Two Jits, M-I-S-S, the number two, J-I-T-S. That's like stands for Miss United States to Jiu-Jitsu because I started fighting and all that stuff. So yeah, all my goodies are on there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just at Aubrey Marcus pretty much everywhere. <laughs> and then um, the company's at Onnit, O-N-N-I-T. Uh, but yeah and check, check out the out. new book the own new the book. day own your life own check the out the podcast got a lot going on available everywhere you can go to own the day if you want to check it out or just look at amazon check audible, some of the videos noble, whatever yeah okay I'm thanks gonna, guys i'm gonna add my salt to my water tomorrow. we got a lot yeah. to talk about lauren and i we got a <laughs> lots of deep dive <laughs> well, into we'll, we'll call well, us if you need us we're gonna have to hit you up offline get some resources yeah and if you get to that point where you're taking a knee and dry heaving Give me a call. I got some strategies to help get you back to your feet. Thanks, so. brother. Yeah, for Thanks, sure. guys. Before you guys go, let's do a little giveaway. So I'm thinking of doing a beauty wellness giveaway to one of you. All you have to do is let me know what you liked best about this episode on my latest Instagram. Super easy. I'll announce the winner on next week's episode. You'll win some beauty and wellness goods handpicked by me. Also, If you want Tipsy Thursday, my weekly newsletter, make sure you go to theskinnyconfidential.com and click Lauren Everett's and then subscribe to the newsletter. You can expect a lot of wellness hacks, beauty tips, tons of easy tricks, my favorite song, show, book of the week, etc. I think you guys will love the weekly newsletter because there's a lot of value. As always, rate and review the show. And if you rate the show and review it, please send it to asklauren at theskinnyconfidential.com and we'll send you five beauty secrets straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening. This episode was brought to you by Woo for Play. Woo for Play is the all-natural and organic coconut love oil. 
This personal lubricant is the perfect gift for your lover or even for yourself. With only four main natural ingredients, this product will enhance every sexual experience and it just really makes sex better. It's also edible and can be used for an intimate massage. Woo for Play is giving all TSC him and her listeners 20% off plus free shipping when using the promo code him and her at checkout. So go to www.wooforplay.com and use code him and her at checkout. Trust me, you'll thank us later.